Glad you're here today. Welcome to the Lord's house. Welcome to 2014. Woohoo! Wow, man. I pray it's a good year for you. Uh, I'm excited about it. Are you like me? Are you having a hard time riding 2014? It just, it's, hard. it's hard for an old dog to learn new tricks, you know? And uh, every year it becomes more difficult to, uh, to change the number, and, and I've already messed up several times. I can remember as a little kid never thinking that this year would ever get here. I mean, when I was a little boy, I didn't think 2000 would ever arrive, you know? I mean, it was so far off. And are you okay? All right, I'm just kind of reflecting here, letting the praise team get down here. Man, it, you know, really, when I was a kid, our preacher preached, and, and I thought the end of the world was going to come, I don't know, 1972, something like that. Yeah. Never thought we'd see 2000, but here we are, 2014. Man, trying to motivate you for 2014. Here we are, 2014. Okay, thanks. That's better, man. It, but the deal is no one in this room really knows what the next 360 days will bring, do we? We don't know what's going to happen. And the sad thing is this, there's really not a lot you can count on. I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but there's really not. I mean, you really can't count on the world being a better place in 2014 because chances are it's not going to be. You cannot count on there being world peace because there won't be. You can't count on the economy. I'm not a betting man. Okay? You need to know that about your pastor. I'm not a betting man. But even if I was a betting man, I wouldn't bet on Obamacare in 2014. Oh, okay, I won't bring that into it. You can't count on what the politicians say because, you know, you just can't count on them. You can't even count on the fact that your loved ones are going to be here in 360 days from now. While there are many things you cannot count on this new year, there's one thing you can count on, and that's God. Right? Not only that, God is in control. I love 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I go back and reread this passage quite often. Uh, a couple of chapters before uh, Solomon is, is given the orders from his father to build the temple. And then they take up this huge offering so that Solomon can build the temple. And then in chapter 29, David gives praise to God for not only who he is, but for what he's doing and for the people giving the offering. Uh, here's a portion of his prayer. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said... Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. And then verse 11, the key verse. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. I tell you what, David was a lot of things, but David was a great worshiper. Right? David really knew how to praise God. And David looked at who God was, and all he could do is stand in honor and awe and praise God. Really what David is, is doing here is talking about God's 
sovereignty. And that's what Jason began the service with, talking about God's sovereignty. That simply means that God is the absolute authority in life. He's the ultimate ruler. He is in charge and he is in control. And as David stated, everything is God's. It's yours, God. Now, now what does this really mean? Well, it, it means that everything is his. God is in control of everything. God is in control of this universe. God is in control of this world. God is in control of nature. I mean, He created nature. He sustains nature. And He overrules nature when He wants to. And when He does, we call it a miracle. He's in control over nature. God's in control over history. Really, church, listen. We are moving toward a climax Life is not circular, just repeating itself round and round. Life is linear and history is moving toward a focal point, a grand climax. One day, Jesus Christ is coming back. One day, there will be a judgment day. History is His story. He's writing it. We're not going through just some random acts of events that happen in life. There is a grand design. There is a purpose. There is a plan. And God has made the plan. And He's in control. You know something else? God is also in control of your life. I know a lot of people who believe that they are in complete control of their own life. (laughs) They're living in their own little fantasy world. They think they call all the shots. They're, They're the big shot. Well, you know what? You may not recognize it, but there are many areas of your life that you had absolutely no choice at all in. You didn't choose where you were going to be born. You didn't choose when you were going to be born. You didn't choose who you were going to be born to. You didn't choose your nationality. You didn't choose your basic makeup. You didn't choose your talents or abilities or the giftedness that you have or even your personality. You didn't choose any of those things. In fact, every gene and every fiber in your body was designed by God because He wanted to make you, you. And He did. God's in control. And you say, okay, if God is in complete control, do I have any free choice at all? Do I have any say in the decisions of my life? And the answer is, of course you do. In fact, I really believe this is one of the great gifts of God. God has given us freedom of choice. We have a freedom of choice. A lot of people are down on the name free will Baptist, and I can understand why. You know, sometimes we've, we've gotten a bad rap. Sometimes we deserve that bad rap. But there are a lot of people who are kind of afraid of, of this name free, free Will Baptist. They think we do weird stuff in here like handle snakes and, you know, do silly stuff like that. But you, really, honestly, free will, that's a great part of our name. It means something because it's a biblical truth. God has given every one of us, every person on earth, a free will. What a gift from God. In life, God gives you freedom to choose the way you want to live, the way you want to act. But once you make those choices, guess what? You're no longer free. You are not free to choose the consequences. 
God says, if you do certain things, there are going to be results. And you're going to have to live with those results. In other words, you reap what you sow. If you do A, then B is going to be the result in your life. Why? Because that's the way God set it up. And guess who's in control? God is in control. Now, for an unbeliever, I can understand how that might be a little frightening. <laughs> might scare you. But on the other hand, for a believer, that's great news. That's comforting news. Living in a world that seems to be spinning out of control, God is in control. And as we face another 360 days when we really don't know what's going to happen in our world, we do know that God is in control. And that brings great comfort. Great comfort. Well, today specifically, there are three things that I want you to remember about God's control. These three things deal with your plans, your problems, and your prayers. First of all, and I want you to say this out loud with me, okay? little audience participation, all right? Here we go. Here it is. Say it with me. Because God is in control... You're thinking, that preacher's loco. He's already loco on point number one. Because God is in control, my plans have a limit. Yep. I know a lot of people who believe and say, the sky's the limit. No, it's not. That's not true. Why? Because God puts a limit on things. And God sets the limits. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 19.21. It says, many are the plans in a man's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I can make all the plans that I want to make for my life or in my life. But you know what? God's plan is the one that's going to prevail. Not necessarily mine. Now, would you agree, would you agree with me this morning that things don't always go as planned? Every day I plan out my day. Every week I plan out my week. I sometimes plan out a month. I plan out the year. But you know what? I don't, I don't remember a single day that's gone exactly the way I wanted it to go. Huh? Would you agree with me also that God often has a better idea? And that He often changes our plans for the good? And that at best... Our plans are just tentative. How many of you have ever had God change your plans? Okay, well, maybe a better illustration. How many of you didn't marry the first person you thought you were going to marry? More of you are raising your hand in this service than last service. They, they were afraid to. Thank God! Woo! Woo! <laughs> Often God changes our plans, man. I've had many plans changed by God. I mean, when I was a little boy, 11 years old, my plan, my plan was to play professional football for the Dallas Cowboys. I had a jersey, a Dallas Cowboy jersey with number 12 on it. I thought I could do it. My plan was to go to the University of Texas, play football, and then move from Austin to Dallas and play for the Cowboys. God changed my plans. 
But really, beyond that, even when I grew up and realized what God wanted from my life, I had plans. My plan was to spend my entire life and ministry pastoring churches in Texas. Specifically, West Texas. Because it's so beautiful out there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the... I guess pretty, I'm getting pretty close to the twilight of life and ministry, I guess. I, mean, I'm, I am getting old. I have yet to pastor in West Texas. That was my plan. You know what? God had a better plan. Boy, it's hard for me to say that. Let me get that out of my mouth. We make our plans, but you know what? Our plans have a limit. Now, I am not saying that you shouldn't have goals because you should have goals. I am not saying you shouldn't make plans because you should make plans. But the Bible warns, don't be presumptuous. Don't say, I know exactly what I'm going to do and it doesn't matter who says what. I'm doing what I want to do. Because you really don't know. Listen to this story that the Bible tells us. In fact, Jesus tells it in Luke chapter 12. He, he spoke a parable in verse 16. He said, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater barns. And there I will store up all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In other words, this guy had it all. I mean, he had climbed the ladder of success. He had everything the world says that you need to have to be successful. He had set his goals, he had made his plans, and he had accomplished them. The problem was he never included God. He never asked God, Lord, is this what you want from my life? His life was void of God's plan. So here's the key. Make your plans. But the key is make sure you're cooperating with God. You pray about your plans. You see, planning without prayer is only presumption. You ought to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what's your will for my life? One of the prayers that I pray probably as much as any other prayer in the last 16 and a half years that I've pastored this church is very simply this. God, what's the next step? What's the next step? Our church year begins in March. I've already started planning for, for next year. I'm going to be spending some time alone, isolated, as I plan things out. I've, I've already started praying that prayer. Lord, what is the next step? What's the next thing you want us to do? What do we need to do or change or realign to be in the center of your will? You know, that's a great prayer for you to pray as you enter a new year. Lord, what's the next step? Lord, what's the next step with my family? What's the next step with my career or my job or my business? Lord, what's the next step in that relationship that I'm involved in? What's the next step in the ministry that you have called me to? 
Lord, what's the next step in my finances? Instead of praying, God, bless what I'm doing, you ought to start praying, God, help me to do what you're blessing. The whole key, the whole key to this entire thing is this. You figure out what God's will and purpose and plan is for your life, and then you align your plan with God's plan. Guys, listen, if you want to be successful and have true joy and peace in your life, you've, that's the thing that you've got to do. Figure out God's plan and align your plan with God's plan. Number two. Are you ready to say it with me? Because God is in control, they really do. And you know what? That's great news. Because life is not a series of random events with no meaning, accidents that just come and go. Life has a meaning. There is a purpose to life. If you're a believer, nothing comes into the life of a believer without our Heavenly Father's permission. Everything that happens in your life, even the bad, is Father-filtered. It has to go through God. It can't come into your life without His permission. So, your problems, every problem you face has a purpose. Because God says that my problems have a purpose, you know what? I can trust God. Because no matter what happens to me in 2014, God has a purpose behind it. And God is working in my life. And even through that problem, God is going to make me into a better person. Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph said to his, his brothers, his siblings, he said, You meant all of this for bad, but God meant it for good. His brothers cheated him. They mistreated him. They sold him into slavery. He ended up being falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison for a crime he didn't even commit. All kinds of bad things happened to Joseph. But you know what? God was right there working in the midst of all of those bad things. He ends up second in command in Egypt and saves his country, and he even saves Egypt too. And at the end of the story, he says to his brothers, You meant it for bad. But God meant it for good. Wow. You know what? If I know God is in control, and if I know my plans have a limit, and my problems have a purpose, what should be my response to that? What's the key? Well, I think the key is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to what Paul said in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I'll tell you what. Sometimes when we have problems, that's what we do, don't we? We lose heart. He says, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is just for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at those things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, the correct response to the problems that you go through next year is simply this. That you are to look past the pain, past the pain of your problems, and see God's purpose. Now, I understand 
Sometimes when we're right in the middle of a problem and we're facing pain, that's all we can see. Last Sunday, all I wanted to do is die. I mean, I really, I, I didn't care if I lived or not. I honestly didn't. I was so consumed with the pain I was in. I just wanted to die. But you know what? It was just for a moment. By Tuesday, I was fine. It just lasted a moment. It just lasted a few hours. And that's the way problems in life are. They come and they go. You've just got to hang close to God. You, you need to see that through this problem, whatever the problem is, God's got a plan. There is a purpose. The Lord allowed this problem into my life to conform me into the image of Christ, to make me a better person. Therefore, I'm just going to look past the pain and through that pain and see the purpose that God has for me. I love Romans chapter 8 because it tells me this. If God is for us, who can be against us? What a great promise. So it doesn't matter what the future brings. I have a hope. And my hope has a name. Jesus Christ. He is our hope. Not the future. Not our government. Not society. Not even my own family. My hope has a name. Jesus Christ. So, I can make that personal. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Hmm. That's the hope of the new year. That's the hope of the rest of your life. God is in control. My plans have a limit, but I don't care. God's in charge. My problems have a purpose, and He'll handle them no matter what they are. So, we come to number three. And again, I want you to say it out loud with me. Because God is in control, my prayers have an impact. They're not just a waste of time. I want you to know that prayer makes a difference. Do you ever really wonder if prayer works? Let's be honest. Quit being spiritual, super spiritual. Yeah. Do you ever wonder that? Does prayer work? I read an article by a preacher friend. He, he said, sometimes I get down on my knees and I start praying. I close my eyes. And then all of a sudden, Satan starts whispering in my ears. And this is what the devil says. Nobody's hearing this. God's not listening to you. You're wasting your time. Your prayer is not going to get above the ceiling. Prayer doesn't work. It's just mumbo jumbo. It's a waste of time. And then the preacher friend asked, does he ever say that to you? <laughs> and I have to admit, yes, he does. The devil has whispered that into my ear. But the truth is this from the Bible. Prayer works. It works because God is in control. If God were not in control, prayer would just be a waste of time. But because God is in control, God can control the uncontrollable. Really, you don't have to know the key men... If you know the man who holds the keys, your boss is not the ultimate authority in your life. And as I told the nine o'clock people, neither is your wife. That's only for comedy relief right there. You have a higher authority that you can appeal to. It's God. He has a lot of leverage. God can do things that you never thought were possible. Prayers have an impact because God is in control. Really, that's the basis of all miracles. 
We, again, we call it God's sovereignty. If God wants to overrule nature, He can do it. If God wants to overrule a human law, He can. If God wants to overrule a nation, He can do so. God can do anything He wants to do. Period. I love the way Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask for or think, according to the power that works in us. That's amazing, is it not? And then John affirms in 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. The point is this. Prayer can do whatever God can do. Prayer can do whatever God can do. So, why don't we take advantage of it? Let me reaffirm. Prayer is not just mumbo-jumbo. Prayer is tapping into the resources of the entire universe. God's power. In fact, over 20 times in the New Testament, it tells us as believers to ask. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. God said, I want you to ask me for things. I'm in charge. I'm in control. You ask and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. I'm going to blow your mind, God says. Prayer does have an impact. You know what? I know you and some of you are thinking... Well, since God is in control and God can do anything that He wants to do and He's told me to pray, then why don't I get everything I ask for? Why doesn't God answer every prayer the way I want Him to? Well, many reasons. Let me give you a couple. Number one, God's not a genie. Yeah, God's not a genie. God doesn't have to give you everything that you ask for do you realize what a mess our world would be in if God actually did give you everything you ask for? Man. You know what? Beyond that, if God gave you everything you ask for, it would ruin your life. It kind of goes back to parenting, you know. Good parents don't always give their kids everything they ask for. You know why? If you give your kids everything they ask for, they will be spoiled rotten. Then you really got trouble. So God's not a genie. Secondly, oftentimes there are competing prayers. Really, Christians pray in conflict. You say, what are you talking about? Well, there's two Christians at the Super Bowl. Or something you can better relate to. There, 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 there are two people at the annual Oklahoma-Texas game. Yeah. Who in the world is it? God obviously is not going to answer both prayers. One person is praying for rain. The other prays for a sunny day. There's a conflict. It's kind of like the, the pastor who was walking through the woods and a bear came up and attacked him. The, the bear was holding him, about to rip him apart, about to eat him. And the pastor cried out, Dear God, please make this bear a Christian bear. All of a sudden the bear let the pastor go. The bear looked up into heaven, crossed his paws, and said, Lord, please bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. <laughs> Conflicting prayer. 
The point is this. You pray. You pray with all your heart. And then you trust God. Because God's in control. Now, I, I want to apply all of this to your life in a practical way. Let me go back and talk about your plans again just for a second. Your plans. Do you include God in your plans? Are you including God in your plans? Some of you may be here and you're saying, you know, one day I'm going to become a Christian. I'm just waiting for the right time. Someday I'm going to commit my life to Christ. One of these days I'm going to make peace with God and ask for forgiveness and make sure that I know I'm going to heaven when I die. One day I'm really going to commit my life to Christ. I'm planning on doing it. That's presumptuous. Because none of us have a guarantee of tomorrow. The Bible says don't boast about tomorrow. You, you don't know what a day is going to bring forth. So don't presume upon the future. The Bible says now is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. You, you need to do it today. You, you need to align your plans with God's plans. Quit waiting to do it. Do it today. You know, for a believer, guys, I'm just trying to shoot straight with you. Why, why would we go through life struggling against God? I mean, that, makes, that makes for a miserable, miserable life. If we really believe what we say we believe, then we're going to have to submit our lives to the will of God, whatever that will is. Make your plans God's plans. Secondly, your problems. Do you look for God's purpose in your problems or do you just throw a pity party every time you have a problem? Instead of asking, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why don't you start praying, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? I'm ready to learn it. God, I want to get it behind me. Because again, God's teaching you a lesson. And I'm going to tell you the truth, from my own experience, if you don't learn the lesson the first time, you get to keep taking the test <laughs> over and over and over again. So you say, okay, Lord, here's the problems. They're not bad things. They're good things. Help me to learn from them. And then your prayers. Do you take advantage of the privilege of prayer? It's there. Let's use it, man. Instead of complaining about your boss, why don't you start praying for your boss? Instead of griping about your job, start praying about your job. Instead of worrying about your finances, why don't you start praying about your finances? I guarantee you, man, you're going to have a whole lot less to worry about. Instead of worrying about your marriage or giving up on your marriage, why don't you start praying for your marriage? The things that are beyond your control are not beyond God's control. So since God is in control, then what's the best way for us to start 2014? Well, we acknowledge His control over our life. We don't fight it. We don't run from it. We don't resist it. We accept it. We cooperate with it. We're grateful for it. We enjoy the blessings of it. We thank God for it. In His control, nothing can devastate you. 
Nothing that happens in the next 360 days can devastate you if you are trusting in the God who controls everything. So what we need to do today, individually, as families, and as a church, is just get under the control of God. If you've never given Him your heart, today's a good day to do that. If you're away from God, come home to God today. Give Him your plans, your problems. Pray to Him and give Him everything. I guarantee you He'll make a difference in your life. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to have a time where you can come and pray. I really don't know of a better way for us to start the first Sunday in 2014 than here at the altar praying, you know. If you're away from God, come on, come back to God. If you need to get things right with Him, come and get things right with Him. There might be some things that you just need to come and pray about. Come and do that. But for the rest of us, for all of us here, what a great opportunity to come and give God this next year, this new year. And say, Lord, it's yours. I, I, just, I just want to be under your control. And so I submit myself to you. Lord, I want to have a great year, but I, I know I can't do that unless I get things right with you and give you my all. So would you come and do that today? Would you come and pray for our church that this would be a great year for Kavanaugh Church, that God would open up new vistas of service and, and avenues and opportunities for us to reach our world with the good news. Heavenly Father.